You're listening to the Supertalk podcast, produced by the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees, shaping profit to member super. Hello, and welcome to the Supertalk podcast. My name is Tyrell Mills. Today, we're looking at investment data systems and designing end-to-end data needs. Uh, we've got a decent panel joining us. We have Jane Duparis, Data Management Product Lead at JP Morgan. We've got Stephen Riley, Chief Operating Officer of Hester. We have Vicky Martin, Principal Data Services at Australian Super. And from New Zealand, we also have Stuart Bain, Investment Operations Manager from the Accident Compensation Corporation. This is a fantastic discussion uh, with the group stemming from their ASI session. Uh, We cover everything from the internalization of investment processes and how data capabilities are playing a role there. We discuss where to start when investigating new platforms and technology and where funds should start when seeking advice. We chat through some of the market volatility in 2020 and we find out how data has played a bit of a role in navigating turbulent times. And we take a bit of a look at what is on the horizon for data systems and data management within investment teams. It's a fantastic chat. I hope you enjoy it. So to get us started, Jane, do you want to give us an overview of where uh, data approaches and systems are at in 2020? Yeah, thanks, Tyrell. Uh, I think you know we've mentioned that some of the changes that we've seen across our client base this year definitely continued uh, interest in data for performance analytics. Uh, but we'd certainly see a little bit of a shift, more more interest from clients in data to support operating model changes. And it was interesting to see the results of the audience poll. We ran the same poll last year uh, and this year, and, and that reflected the same thing. You know. There was a definite uptick in the need for data for member retention uh, this year and also many of the participants indicating that they were investigating internalisation of capabilities much more than they were last year. Stuart, did the results of the poll, are you able to speak to that at all, the data management systems being a bigger... I think as as I mentioned in in this session, it's more the utilisation of the data. So, you know, those those data sets are becoming really important and understanding who the the users are or the owners of the data and how they're going to be utilised is is pretty critical. So, you know, it it has changed uh, fundamentally. I think people have always understood that data is important, but, you know, historically, especially if you look at um, Australia, it was driven by the regulators. So the need for a lot more data uh, was driven by there rather than the understanding that we could actually utilise data to present it to members uh, in a way that they're going to understand what they're investing into. And also, as a fund manager, understanding the risk um, and understanding the, the, the type of or the, and the nature of investments that you um, own as well. Um, so understanding the end purpose of that data is, is pretty important for, um, for constructing and designing a data, data warehouse full of, of information. And so, Jane, that the the responses in, in, to that uh, audience poll that you had, they, they weren't surprising to you? No, I don't think it was surprising. Um, you know, it was very consistent with what we've seen in the conversations we're already having with our clients. 
you know, 2020 uh, has certainly been uh, coloured by the events of COVID-19. So uh, with the funds putting more focus on member decisions and, and, and the kinds of changes that they're making, uh, it's not surprising that there's been uh, more need for data to help with those plans and, and handle those scenarios. Uh, Vicky, I might bring you in now. As we start to see greater internalization of investment processes, what role is data capabilities playing? Well, it's evolving. It's uh, as we, uh, it's all about the the whole funds maturity as we go through this process. Whether it's from just a Australian equity perspective, as we've evolved through to wanting to manage our money at both an option and sector level, and the need for granular data that allows you to be able to manage throughout the whole portfolio, through the option, across the option, across the security uh, security attributes. So as we start to move more into capital markets, that granularity of data attributes for fixed income and swaps and all those sort of securities um, is really important, timely data bringing it in as, as quickly as possible so that we can manage it today and not need to wait for a couple of days to get that into our, portf- into our portfolio management system. Stephen, in the ASI session, you said that at a general level, your, pro- your approach isn't a data issue, but that it was a net returns issue. Can you run me through that a little bit? Look, the reason that we exist or the recently super funds exist is to look after members' retirements. <coughs> that is- Excuse me. That means uh, investing for the long term and maximising those returns. So, you know, everything we're do, doing is all about trying to make better decisions for the members' uh, interests. So, data comes into that in a number of different ways. Uh, first of all, it, it helps the investment teams. You know, the better the data, the more likely they are to make better investment decisions. But it also drives a whole lot of efficiency for us. I mean, you can imagine there's there's so much of the world that's available in ones and zeros now. If you can automate the flow of the right data to the right place in the right format, then then that saves time and money and makes it more efficient. Um, I, I think the the third element I mentioned in on the um, in the panel was just the flexibility that you need for addressing what's going to come along. I mean, we have a plan A for what's going, what we're hoping to do with the data, but you know, the, the game is changing all the time. It's changing for regulations. It's changing for global pandemics. It's changing you know, because of competitor moves. And you have to have enough flexibility in your system to cope with that. What's great about the, the technology at the moment is that if you set it up right, then you've got um, the flexibility to use, to put the data in different formats, to cope with different problems as they come along. You don't have to commit to one way and one way only. Obviously, that's better if you get it right. But if you have to change, making really clever decisions about your data and your infrastructure gives you the flexibility to do that like it never has before. Okay, so last year when we did an episode on data systems, we spoke a little bit about taking board members on the data journey and how to have conversations with them about a topic that can be quite complex and foreign to their areas of expertise. Uh, Do we need to educate fund execs and directors on data system requirements uh, from all of the opportunities through to the risks, or have we somewhat progressed far enough that data 
in quotation marks, now has sufficient understanding at board levels? Yeah, I, I think I, I, from in, from a ACC perspective, I think we have matured quite some time, uh, quite a bit over the last couple of years. Um, there is a, a, a lot of understanding in the data that we're presenting to them. Um, I, I think the challenge for us is is understanding how much data is is appropriate to present. Uh, the more data you can present, the more complex in nature the uh, the, the portfolio structure or the, the information and the more complex it is, the more questions there are. Uh, and so it's just understanding what they need. Um, and, and I think that that has matured as well. Um, we get to a position where we provide too much over, uh, information or too much data and it's overwhelming. And so we try and peel that back. And it's, it's just trying to come up with that, uh, the, the amount of data that we believe is appropriate and also that they need in order to um, have appropriate governance and oversight into the in, into the operations or the running and the management of the business, which is, which is a challenge, I think. But that's an ongoing and evolving situation. Stephen, how how are things yeah. at Hester in regards to that? Look, I think members get it. I think sorry, board members get it. Um, what's really interesting about technology and data is is it's it's not that matrix green screen with ones and zeros flashing down the page. You know the 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 way that technology is evolving. Uh, and I'll caveat that a little bit in a second with coding and, and the like, but the way technology is evolving is making it easier for users to to understand. And, and that's what we're trying to drive to is letting the human element um, really drive what to do with the data. And board members get that, whatever you know, part of the world they come from, you know, they get it for their own businesses. They get it for their own lives. You know, the way that the data is flowed to them and customised to them and personalised for them and contextualised for them. When we're talking about investment data, it's the same. It's personalising it or contextualising it for the user so that they can make the, the best decision they can. And then I think board members, are they, they understand that. You get down to the coding and the really technical bits yeah, you know, and sure, that's that's, but that's getting into the weeds. And I don't think the board needs to be there. They need to be trying to solve the big problem, which is driving better decisions. Yeah, certainly. And Vicky, is that is that the same over at Australian Super? Um, right from the beginning, when we first started internalising, uh, particularly our investment committee, uh, were really very keen, very wanting to be very much involved in um, the whole journey that we've been on. And over the last five years, as we've We've implemented our foundational platforms. Uh, we've regularly gone to our investment committee or a subcommittee of investment committee to keep them involved and um, and 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 take them through the journey that we've been going on, um, articulating the reasons why we went with a more modern technology, um, co-developing. Um, really keen to understand why we did that. We've been to uh, strategy days where we've showcased um, why why super fund structures can make it so complicated for data and platform providers, and and trying to to just really simplify. The, the reasons and the purpose for wanting to do things a bit different to how you might do it if you don't need to think about uh, option level and, and fund structures and sector and investing at a sector level. Uh, super funds are so different to 
fund managers and that fund managers are, are, are often managing at a single portfolio, a single mandate where we have to look at both, not just what we're managing internally, but joining up the external manager portfolios as well and then trying to manage as a portfolio across both the external and the internal. And so just bringing them along on that journey, it's actually been really nice having them involved. Tyrell, can I just add something on that? I think what I also found really interesting listening to you all speak during the panel session when you were answering the question about you know, how you uh, continue to build the case for having data platforms, it wasn't just about you know, saving, well, it wasn't about saving money at all. It was about reducing risk, having more timely information available. And I think the, the interesting piece was that how you all spoke about the need for these kinds of tools and platforms to attract and retain the kinds of people uh, that you want to have at your fund. So to, to get those people to come and work with you, you, you need to have, show them that you've got the kinds of tools that they can, they need to do their job uh, available. And I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, the diversity of investment team talent is, uh, again, a kind of a very human element, as Stephen and Vicky sort of alluded to. Uh, is that is that the case for you, Stuart, in terms of the, the capabilities also, your, your data capabilities also driving sort of better results in your, your data and your investment teams? Um, it, it's difficult to, to tie those two together. Um, I, I know it's definitely changing the type of people that, are, that the business attracts or uh, the type of people that are coming on board. I think historically we've had people that with, within the operations team um, that have had a focus on, uh, on process. Um, and now the, the ch it's changing to be a lot more analytically focused. Um, and in, in bringing that on board, you know, they, they can also bring a lot more dynamic change as well. Um, within the, the front office, I'm not or within the fund management team and the asset allocation team. I'm not convinced that uh, the, the type of people have changed, but the the presentation of data is is certainly assisting them to um, to achieve. Or to, it's it's reducing their it's making them a lot more productive or um, increasing their ability to manage the portfolio. So that would presumably contribute to um, to the fund returns. You know, our, my job is to make sure that I'm supporting the fund management team to uh, to focus on what they do, and and if they can simply focus on that without any other noise, then that would and should uh, contribute through to um, to the performance of the fund. And so, Vicky, just from that last the ASI session, uh, it sort of came up when when investigating new platforms and technologies. Where do you seek advice? Uh, and I suppose, what, what is your process for approaching something new? Go, go broad. So what we did was um, leverage our networks globally. A lot of the Canadian and Dutch funds, um, you know, years ahead of us, so we spoke to them. We have, uh, we're big believers in using consultants for specific purposes. And uh, one, of the one of the consultants that we use does extensive research on platforms and, and data vendors. And so we had subscribed to them and uh, use a lot of their research to help us to, to get a really good sense of what was available out there. And of course, we'd already brought in people that had had varying degrees of ex experience with, with different vendors. And then, you know, you can ask lots of questions of different people and different businesses and all that sort of stuff. But you've got to bring it back to how it might work for you. Uh, so 
get lots of advice, get lots of information from various people, various vendors, um, consultants, etc. But then bring it back and apply it to how it might work for you. And Stuart, what's what's your approach for for new tech and data systems? Yeah, it's it's quite a challenging question actually. Um, for us, the the very first thing we do is we look at our current providers to determine whether uh, we can go down that track first. Uh, the reason for that, is as soon as you engage with uh, any other third party, it increases the the amount of data sets that are coming in, uh, the the matching required to uh, bring that data in house, and then match it off with the data that you already have. Um, and it also increases the number of reconciliation pieces that you need to introduce as well. So it's it, it is quite challenging. The the custodian obviously plays a really integral part in uh, in mapping data through to your system. So starting at that point, um, if if you need to engage with uh, third parties, then to Vicky's point, uh, talking to the asset, asset owner community, uh, t- talking to other fund managers which are similar to you, uh, but doing that, understanding that there are differences between the different asset management um, and uh, asset owner houses. So just understanding what your difference is and, and then taking it from there, but using uh, consultants, um, it's, it's, it is really difficult to uh, to engage with the right one first. And so that part of the process and determining what you need and why you need it is, is really critical. There's no golden bullet, but, um, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it is pretty divisive to, to get that right straight away. And Jane, just from that aspect of custodian, what, what are your insights on this? Look, I think we we're pretty lucky. We're a we're a big firm, uh, and and consistent with what we're doing in the technology space. You know, we're trying to bring the technology from the whole corporate and investment bank uh, to security services. You know, bring bring the best things that we've used before uh, to our clients, uh, and I, that's kind of the same with in terms of getting help from other people. We're we're lucky if we've got a question about derivatives or, you know, there's something quite specialised that, uh, you know, our clients are looking for, we're able to draw on that team uh, that's been doing it for many years in the investment bank uh, to give us that specialist expertise and bring that back to our clients. So, yeah, going wide and and having access to uh, a big network both within our firm and, you know, across the the market uh, is very beneficial in trying to help here. And Stephen, on market volatility in 2020, how has data played a role in navigating quite turbulent times? Look, it's it's all about giving the team in as much info as possible so that they can uh, figure out the best course of action. So, you know, we've had to cope with uh, early release uh, from the members and so the data, the, the, the data requirements for that go from one, one end of the business model through to the other. We've got to give the members the right info about what their balances are and, and where they're sitting. And then right at the other end, we've got to you know, talk to the investment teams about the liquidity that we need and the sorts of decisions they need to, to make to make sure one, I mean, Hess didn't have any problem meeting the liquidity requirements, but the ripple effect on the rest of the portfolio had to be managed. So we've had to look at valuations. We've had to look at, um, at the getting as up-to-date uh, data as possible. We've had to look at how to report on that. It's um, the, the, the really challenging thing of 2020 has been considering all the different angles and at the same time, you know, focusing on the main thing, which is return for members. 
Just finally, as I mentioned, we had a podcast episode on data systems last year at uh, at last year's ASI conference. There is a good chance it will still be on the agenda next year. Uh, so if we're sitting down together again this time next year, hopefully we'll still be in this or uh, all be in the same room. But what key things do you think we we might be discussing in a year's time? What's what's on the horizon? Oh, I think we'll be talking about flexibility. I think we'll be talking about automation. I think we'll increasingly be talking about seeing the economic benefits. And I certainly think we're going to be talking about talent. Um, you know, it, the, the game changes for talent. You know, for, I know for Hester, we're, we're going on a very exciting journey with internalization and it gives the people involved the chance to work with a, a relatively blank sheet of paper to do something quite exciting and, and leapfrog because we're not having to uh, recreate, you know, decades of legacy infrastructure. And so, you know, and I think um, we're going to see that sort of journey. I appreciate, you know, Vicky has been on, on that particular leg of the journey for a lot longer than we have. But, you know, the, the exciting part across the industry, it will be what, uh, what it looks like, how we create that uh, in, a, in a, the image of superannuation. How often in your career do you get to start something from scratch? And I think that's, that's uh, to the talent question before, that's one of the reasons you get a lot of people want to come and work at some of our super funds. Um, what will we be looking at next year? Um, I'd like to hope that Cloud's on, on the agenda somewhere talking about uh, the ability to be able to leverage it, the scalability, the, the being able to be more agile with how we do things. Um, Visualization is pretty exciting when you start to see what you can do by joining different data sets together. Um, the tools out there these days are just, they just keep uh, growing and it's just um, pretty exciting. And then lastly, I would say uh, how, uh, how others or how others are leveraging technology partners. So the the people within their funds, um, what skill sets are now available? How do you not, I, I see, I've seen technology as an enabler, but to me it's, it's got to be more about the partnership. Um, how do you work together with your front office and your technology team and your data teams to, 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 to do what needs to be done? Stuart, care to jump in our time machine and tell us what's on the agenda in roughly 12 months? Yeah, I think adding to that, I, I don't think the conversation will be too dissimilar to what it is now, but I think to both uh, Stephen and Vicky's points, um, it will be looking at the visualisation of the data. We already have a, a good su uh, set of data. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to grow too much, uh, but it's just, as I mentioned before, it's utilisation of the data and how it's presented, um, understanding, you know, who our clients are and, and presenting information which is important to them. Uh, we, we're still going on this on this uh, travel through uh, looking at carbon intensity or looking at ESG, and that's become going to become quite important. Um, and it, what it means is that people have become, you know, investments are going to be quite a personal thing for people and how they're investing. So the type, type of data which you need to present and produce will be different, uh, but it's not too, too dissimilar to the information and the data we currently have. It's just how you're utilising it. So it's using the tools that are available to present data out. I think that will be a key focus for the next 12 months. And I think that's what we're going to be talking about then. And Jane, the final word is yours. What's what's on the uh, the horizon? Uh, look, I think, you know, consistent with those themes, we're definitely going to be talking about data uh, to help these funds with internalisation. Uh, you know, I think 
what's interesting for me is that some of the challenges that they've articulated are, are, are shared challenges that we have, you know, not just as someone working with them to try and come up with solutions, but as we've had to build out our own integrated data platform to, to better serve up middle office data for them, we've had to go through some of the same problems that they've had. We've had to find uh, that common language or that that uh, you know, flexible definition uh, of, of what the data means so that we can integrate it directly into the different providers that they've all chosen. So uh, I think we will definitely be spending time talking about internalisation, connectivity to data. Uh, you know, I think I mentioned uh, in the session that, you know, uh, this region uh, is certainly uh, leading the pack uh, when we look across our, our client base globally uh, in, in the demand for new ways to connect to the data uh, and do so more effectively. That's all for this edition of the Supertalk podcast. A very big thank you for listening in. And of course, a very big thank you to Jane, Stephen, Vicky and Stuart. As well, our appreciation to all at JP Morgan for their assistance in putting this episode together. The session that our guests today appeared on at ASI will be available as a video. Check online at aist.asn.au. Until next time, bye for now.